0: Breaking podcast. It's been a while, but we're back, so it's hopefully you haven't forgotten about us. But anyway, I'm down here, on location, sunny Lake Elsinore, with uh,
1: Nick Ashby. Now, Nick, it's a wonderful day out there. Is it always this nice? Um, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a little bit hotter, but you definitely came down on the right day. We're not down here baking today. Yeah, and I came down with great traffic, obviously, which made me get here super, super early. Yeah, you actually beat me here. I get a phone call, and it's like, hey, he's already here, and I'm like, oh, no. So, then I'm trying to get through traffic to get here. So, hey, we're here now. I know, that's the important thing. So, Nick, you're from the uh, Leadership Designs Stroke.
0: Uh Rockstar Performance Garage. Correct. Also got a big shout out and a thanks to Rockstar Energy Drinks who Correct. are providing our lovely beverages today. We did have definitely. a pop, but unfortunately due to operator error, it was uh not caught. I think you were just so
1: energized, the- like you were just you, you were going and I, yeah.
0: I was I was just so keen uh that I missed out on it. But uh let it be known if we do get carried away, it's probably because we're filled with uh, energy, right? Correct, definitely. So Nick, let's let's take a step back and sort of How did you like kind of get into – pushed into this direction like in the automotive
1: world? What happened? What was the driver there that that sent you down this path? Um, It it was definitely, you know, obviously the military and like I grew up in a small town and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of things that factored into it. It's crazy. um, I didn't realize this. You know, sometimes you just put your head down and you just start working. Yep. And you don't really pay attention to what's going on and all of a sudden you turn around and look behind you. And we we're about to our ten year mark at Rockstar Garage and Leadership Designs of of what we started out and what we started building. Yep. And it's just insane. So now sitting back and sitting down and and having this kind of conversation now a decade later, um, it's crazy to see where we've gone and and what's happened. You know, the way it really started was, you know, I'm a small town kid, grew up in New Harmony, Utah, which is like a dot on the map. We celebrated our first stop sign. It's like a tiny, tiny town. How many people were? were Um, A couple hundred. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, we'd have to jump on the school bus at 6 a.m. to get to school by 7.30 on time. Okay. So, it's quite a – yeah. Yeah. You so spend a was, lot of time on school buses then. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I grew up on a horse ranch, so I'd have to feed the horses in the morning before I'd leave for school and do the chores on, you know, horses when I got home. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was basically my life. And um, about 19 years old, I got kicked out of school and, and had a bunch of problems. Um, I just – I didn't fit the format, you know, of that that whole story about when they take a – um, a, a goldfish and try to teach you how to climb a tree you know it's just impossible that was me yeah so I left school at 15 and started working construction and doing all that kind of crazy stuff and um, by the time I was 20 I was running construction companies throughout um, Nevada and Utah the okay. job sites and so what sort of construction are you guys doing that I'm um, like wood framing you okay. know
0: you know that that kind of stuff and is that I mean I know is it considered shuttering or is that something different is that just a european term that i'm used to i think it's a european term oh, okay definitely because yeah. yeah. that's the putting up of the wooden frame is what we call yeah. that. so that's all i know. yeah we, we just call it wood construction say i'm yeah. sorry i'm
1: trying to bring so. i think yeah we simplify it here so, <laughs> so <laughs> no so you here, just make it straight to the point yeah exactly yeah. right yeah this is wood like let's put some wood up yeah so um so i did that you know and by the time i was about 21 um i was in vegas mm-hmm. i was living damn near off the strip My apartment was paid for. I had two nice trucks to drive. I had a company credit card, a company cell phone. Dude, I was, I was like living the life, Mm -hmm. single in Vegas, 21, nice money coming in, which, you know, back in the, you know, back in the day I was making a thousand dollars a week cash, you know, um. And it was just crazy. It was Which like, obviously you told the taxman about. It's yeah, right? obviously. So you told correct. Him, and then you yeah. made sure you filled up, Well, filled no, up. That, like, the thousand bucks was what I was bringing home after taxes. Okay. Yeah, and of course. So, you know what I mean? At 21, like I was living a life, dude. I was dating the wrong people, partying with the wrong people. You know, and and at one point I remember being on the job site and looking at this guy and, and he was probably about 45, 50 and he was just run down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just lost that. You know, like, you know how you, you see people, and they've just lost that in their eyes and it's just not there anymore. And they just yep. had, they have no drive or no energy. And I was like, man, that's going to be me. You know what I mean? Like I'm riding that right now, that wave, but at some point that wave is going to come down and I'm going to come down. And I just didn't want to be that guy. So at that point I decided to join the military. Okay. And, um, my grandpa had flew B 52s in the Vietnam war. Okay. And my mom was actually born in Naples on the base there. Okay. So, you know, they're kind of an English family. Um, and, and they came over here and that's kind of how this whole family started with me and my sisters and everything. Well, I went into the military and, um, and when I went down and took my test, I dropped out of school. So I had to – while I was working construction, I had to go to college and get like a whole um, diploma and all that kind of like stuff. the GED and stuff? Well, or... I, I got a GED, okay. but I actually wanted a diploma too, so I did both. Oh, okay. So I got a GED and a diploma because um, I wanted to be able to walk the line you know, with the whole ribbon and cap thing for my parents. So sure, I got that also, is, all done.
0: It's, yeah, it's, it's good. A, yeah, it's a big thing. And so, I mean I, I could speak from this. I was the first person that was able to graduate from, in my family from mm-hmm. college. And that was I felt very proud of that. So I can certainly
1: uh, understand that and the driver behind that as well. So while I was working construction, going to school, doing all that stuff, traveling, I, I got everything done, went in. And when I went in and took all my tests and everything, I actually scored in the top 90% in Utah in my test scores and everything. I could literally do anything I wanted in the military. Okay. And they were like, do you want to fly? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And I was like, I want to blow shit up. Oh yeah, am I allowed to swear? Well, I think you already have. So okay. <laughs> I think we I think that that
0: boat sailed, so to All speak. Right. Although
1: so, we could say the bomber's just flown over the target there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I was like, man, I, I just want to blow it up. So, I ended up joining as a twelve Bravo. Which a twelve Bravo in the military, what we call them, is an infantry guy. Mm-hmm. But the difference between us and infantry is we go pop when we get shot because okay. we're carrying C4 and explosives with us. Okay. Um, you know, back in the like the Vietnam, World War II eras, they had a 12 second lifespan on the battlefield. Okay. They were the guys that were brought in to breach landmines, um, landmine land fields, um, Constantino wire, tanks, all that kind of stuff. We were the guys that would send in with the explosives to, like, go through everything, blow it up, and make it so the infantry could get through. So, so kind of a little bit of a high pressure yeah. role of sorts, one I might yeah, say. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You mean, but the great thing is, like, if something goes wrong, you probably won't fill it. You know, what, you know what I mean? Like, I guess that's one way to look at it, right? Exactly, right? So, um,. So, yeah, so I, I joined, and it was shortly after that like the whole Iraq war thing started mm-hmm. and everyone like everyone in my unit and everything because I was based out of Southern California, everyone in my unit got got you know pretty worried. a lot of those guys had joined for college, okay. you, know, tuition assistance, that kind of stuff because i I'd, I'd originally joined National Guard um, because i I just knew that I would never make the money in the army that I liked making in the civilian world because I kind of got that taste when I was younger doing the construction thing, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I want to serve." And I want all those benefits of serving, but I still want to be able to like pursue a uh, commercial career, so to say. So I went in the National Guard. We get activated, um, and we go to Iraq. So, can you explain a little bit
0: what it means by being activated? So, sorry, I was
1: just enjoying that rock star. It's all right. It's <laughs> a good. Little plug there. Yeah. So, um, so basically. The way it works in the in the National Guard is you can be activated in two ways. You can either serve your state, mm-hmm. which are like the crazy fires and all that kind of stuff that happen. Yep. Or you can get activated federally, which is by the government. You you turn into active duty army at that point. Okay. And they send you over to war. Okay. So I was activated as active duty army, went to Iraq and I served about a fourteen month mission there. And that was right around the time of oh, I gotta do a date check here of two thousand three, two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Um and that is when, like, everything was going crazy. Like, yep. KBR workers were getting hung in Fallujah. Mm-hmm. And, like, all the big Fallujah raids were happening. While I was there, um, I, I lost a couple good friends there. And while I was there, I just thought in my mind, I was like, man, if I can just go on every mission, that's one less of my friends I might not lose. So as soldiers were coming back and off their missions, the way it would work is you'd have your different, you know, soldiers in your different units. Mm-hmm. And then within that big company, you'd have your platoons, and then in that you have your squads. So squads basically rotate out, right? Like one day it's, it's this squad's turn, the next day it's this squad's turn. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I went and volunteered, and I became the driver for the platoon sergeant and the platoon leader. Okay. So platoon sergeants platoon leaders never go out on the same mission in case anything ever happens. You always have one in command, right, to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go out on a mission every day with the platoon sergeant or the platoon leader. And because I just thought, you know, if it was me out there and something happens, at least I don't lose another friend. So by the time I was done, I just, I'd just done just over 400 combat missions. Which is a fair few, let's say. Yeah, it's it's, it's a good amount. Yeah. I mean, for especially a National Guard guy who never even thought he was going to get deployed. At one point, um, I was on a fire team, and we were breaching a building. And I remember it was like, God, we were like two months in theater. And I'm sitting there on this fire team, and there was four or five of us on it and we're getting ready to breach this house and it's like two two o'clock in the morning and we're just sitting there and and i and i'm just like i'm I'm second man in on this team and the guy in front of me he just got back like he just done his stuff over it um in um africa with the whole black hawk down thing Mm -hmm. and um i guess right yeah and and then this the guy behind me was like some of the guys who just like pushed through some major stuff. They were like Marine guys that had transferred over to Army, and I'm just like, Yo, I'm on the wrong line right now. I'm like this National Guard kid out of Utah, this small town, and I'm sitting here with like guys movies have been made about. Mm-hmm. Why, why am I here right now? And anyways, um, we did the you know we did the raid and it was intense. And and I think at that moment in time, um, one of the guys who was an 82nd Airborne guy looked over at me and he goes. From this moment in time, you'll never feel a rush in your life again like you were getting ready to feel when you breached that door. And he said, just remember that. And he goes, Wh- whatever happens, happens, but just remember the rush you feel and cherish that. And he goes, but don't let it, don't let it control you. And what he means by that is in the military, there's a, there's a saying It's called chasing the dragon. Mm-hmm. And basically what it means is like that heroic thing where soldiers go out and like they're trying to get awards and trying to win stuff and trying to do that stuff so they can become like you know a, a knight in shining armor and they're always chasing that dragon to get like their next award. And he goes, he's like, don't, don't get caught up in that because you'll never get out of it and you'll end up giving your life for it. You know? And so we, so we did this, you know, did the raid and it was just intense. And, um, you know, luckily we didn't lose anyone that night, but you know, the things that happened on that raid were were pretty intense, you know, and that was kind of like, boom, here's your next 14 months. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we did that and it, it was insane. Um, we did a lot of different missions at one point. Um, about two months before we left theater, we became the inner security election patrol for the president of Iraq. So okay. they moved us from Baghdad to Missoul. Mm-hmm. And we were literally in Humvees. And Missoula is about the size of Los Angeles, okay. which is where you came from, right? Yep. So imagine Los Angeles completely shut down. Yeah. Like it's just gone. Like it's a ghost town. Like if everything you've played with Resident Evil when you don't see a single person on the street, yeah, that's how it feels. So they literally shut the entire down, town down the day before election, so they could set up security and clear areas and all this kind of stuff because there were so many, like, uh, vehicle bombs and IEDs and that kind of stuff placed everywhere that it was just crazy. And and so they shut down the entire city. We're out there driving around. We're running, you know, the basically the, the people who are doing the elections, we're driving them around to different places so they can check the different things. Mm-hmm. And at one point I remember – we came under uh, 60 millimeter for 60 millimeter mortar fire and it blew out my driver's side rear tire. And we, they have run flats, but the problem is when the run flat and the tire is gone and you're just on the wheel, you're not going to get very far in that 16,000 pound Humvee. Yeah. So in the middle of the, the middle of the mortar fire, I just remember, um, I had always kind of prepared a little bit, you know, when things happened, and I had some, um, tools you know that were to get your wheels and tires off a little bit faster and i had all that stuff ready to go and we get hit tire blows out and everyone's like we got to change that tire and i I just remember like looking at everyone and i'm like i get on the radio and it's like cover me and everyone's like what are you doing i'm like i'm gonna go change the tire and they're like under like under mortar fire and i'm like yeah like everyone we need to get out of here and if we just sit here and talk about it we're just a sitting target yeah so i jump out and the thing about a, a humvee tire is they're insanely heavy i was gonna say they're not particularly light yeah like, like even our 40 inch tires we run on jeeps nowadays they're light yeah compared to what we did with that humvee and i just remember my adrenaline going and i i change out this tire by myself and i literally picked this tire up and i threw it on top of like the rack of the humvee in the back and i just remember picking this thing up and throwing it and now you know i mean I, i'm 39 years old this this year and i'm just like yeah i could never do that again I Have to you know pop crinkle back in my back but Anyways, it was just insane. So I remember at that moment in time, I was just like, that was awesome. You know what I mean? And so. So what I started doing is, is and then obviously you, you were able to fix the tire. Yeah, so we fix it, it we get out of there. You know, all that stuff happens, and which is the important stuff. Correct. Yeah, correct. Um, not only did you fix the tire, <laughs> being like, look, world's strongest man got nothing like, on like, me. That's all I cared about. That I got out, changed the tire, and I didn't get hit by a mortar, right? Because like there was explosions happening around me. And I'm just like, I'm like, this is really, really gonna suck if I get hit with one of those right yeah, now. It's not ideal. Yeah, not ideal. Definitely a like, whole lot of nope. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyways, we're sitting there and. and We, we get back to the Ford operating base and, and I'm just like, man, that was awesome. You know? And I'm just, I'm, I'm soaked with it and I go out and I'm just like, I want to like tinker on this thing now and I start working on my Humvee. So I, I literally started doing it and I literally got, you know, some taller springs because we had such a heavy Humvee, we sat lower. Mm -hmm. So I go and get like some taller springs and I swap those out in the motor pool. And like, we just started doing this thing where we kind of like upgrade our Humvee to be a little bit beefier. Yeah. Um, we built like this crazy steel bumper because sometimes we had to hit cars and get them out of our way. So I did that. I put like a full sound system inside it. So on like those long road trips through the desert, I had like full on music playing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so I just, I had all that stuff. What music were you playing when you go on the Man, I I don't want to say this right now because... Look, it's going to... It's like, listen, all us like military guys and especially the guys in war, like, you know, when you think of someone in war... You think of someone like covered in camo and like, you know, all your armor and your uh, magazines and, and what you're saying you're playing grenades and all and that you, stuff. You're playing Destiny's Child, What are you gonna to allude to basically. No, I definitely was not doing that, because I probably wouldn't even have brought it up if I was doing that. But um do you remember Man, I'm gonna date myself right now. Do you remember the OC? Yes. The TV show? Yes. Okay. So when no, Who doesn't remember the OC? When we TV were show? in obviously all of us guys from California, right? Like where we were based out of like we're seeing the places like where we live right mm-hmm. so it was very home to us but what was what was stupid about the whole thing is kind of funny now but we you need escape like right when you're in a war zone and you're doing this stuff like you're always looking for a way to escape because uh, you know, let's be honest wars i've never been so i can't tell, but i can assume it's rather stressful there's probably a little bit of pressure involved definitely definitely it, it's almost like being married but she has an AK-47 and she's allowed to use it. Yeah, just on you. just on you. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, um, so anyways, we're sitting we're sitting there, in half the time, and we're literally covered in you know like grease, blood, whatever it is off of missions. And when the new OC would come out, like we were downloading it off LimeWire or whatever it was, and 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 we're just trying to get our hands on it. And you'd have like. 10 of these, fucking, these military badasses just sitting there, like all covered in like all their military stuff. And we're like yelling around this 15 inch screen of a laptop. Because back then, like iPhones didn't exist, none no. of this stuff existed. Yeah. Like point and shoot cameras were the biggest thing you could have. Yep. And um, there's like 10 of us sitting there and we're screaming. And it looks like it was like, Marissa, don't you understand? He loves you. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then we're like, oh, my God, he's going to get arrested. He's he didn't it's do serious. it. Yeah. And, like, and we're just – we're so escaped out of reality mm-hmm. watching this show that it's hilarious because I feel like if that would have been aired, it would have shown such a human compassion side to a soldier mm-hmm. of what they actually experience and what they go through yeah. to what you actually see portrayed on news or portrayed on this stuff. Yeah. Like, we're just these – oh, these killing machines. Or whatever. No, it's – dude – we're the guys that live next to you. We're just the guys that said, hey, I'll go serve for us mm-hmm. type thing. And, of and, um, But it, it was funny. So anyways, answering your question about what we were playing, um, we had that soundtrack on repeat. <laughs> so we're literally listening to the OC soundtrack, which was cra- pretty crazy. Is, um, like this is probably the most extreme thing that ever happened, but we were, um, we were driving across the desert one time, and we were moving millions of dinars for the for the elections to basically pay the Iraqi National Guards um payroll.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're driving from this base and we have a bunch of money and fuel and all that kind of stuff we're escorting it. And we were the lead gunship. And the way it worked is we were about I don't know a mile or two ahead of the rest of the convoy mm-hmm. and if we come under fire the rest of the convoy stops or breaks. Yep. And they go the south safe route while we hold it off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we're driving we're in we're in night vision. And we're, you know, blasting our radio. It's 3 a.m. And I'm in a 16,000-pound Humvee, and I come up over the crest of a hill. And imagine it being a lot like um, driving the five interstate up to Sacramento. Okay. Right? It's just, like, desolate. Yep. Two-lane road. You know what I mean? Nothing going on. And I come up over this hill, and there was a Russian anti-tank mine in the middle of the road. And what was crazy about it is it had a tilt rod on it. And if the tilt rod moves in 18 degrees in any which way, it sets it's off the go. warhead inside the mine, mm-hmm. which is designed to take out a tank. Yep. We're in a Humvee. Which is not quite a tank. Which is not quite a tank. And so we come up over this hill, and I yell IED, IED, and I swerve, and I try to, like, horseshoe around it, where I cut hard right, and then I cut back left to try to almost, like, I'd, I'd rather roll at this point mm-hmm. than, then hit, than, than hit a, yeah. a warhead. Um. now backtrack two hours before that water was like the hardest thing to find like a good bottle of water Um, they ration it out all that kind of stuff and, and you usually get like your week's water supply and then if you drink more than you're supposed to which is a desert everyone's drinking a lot of water you gotta kind of use tap water to refill it which isn't the best tasting Yeah. so if you can find like extra water you like you bogart that stuff and you just basically hide it so we were out on mission we found this pallet of water like that we think someone else forgot or left behind somewhere. And I'm like, it was all brand new. And I'm like, I'm taking that. And obviously it obviously was on a military base, so it was safe. Um, but I'm like, I'm grabbing that. So I filled the entire back of my Humvee with water. And mm-hmm. I had literally probably 40 cases of like an Aquafina-sized bottle thing, right? And so now flash forward, and we hit this mine. And when we hit it, I got... It was, it was set up to go directly over the center of us. And again, we were doing like 75, 80 miles an hour. And I cut hard right, bank left, and the back tire clipped the tilt rod barely. But it blew the entire back corner of this up-armored Humvee off. Mm-hmm. We go in the air like 10 or 15 feet, slam back down. The water had turned all of the fire and explosion into smoke inside the cab. So instead of all the flame and, explos- and explosion coming inside, yeah. it was all just like this impact in water which obviously was just, like, loud ringing and you couldn't see, um, which got my MP3 player wet, which didn't work anymore, which I I was pretty upset about that. Um, So at that point, like, operational security has gone. I turn the white lights on. I turn the NVG off, and I'm just trying to keep this thing from rolling. Our gunner is, like, spinning, like, a top up there on on the turret. And I reach up and I grab him at, like, the last second his foot's flying out, and I pull him back down in. He ended up getting a purple heart for back injuries and that kind of stuff the sergeant behind me got a back or got an award for hearing back injury. And I think he got um, pretty cut up too. And then the co-driver, the driver, uh, or the, basically we call him the, the pilot of the Humvee, the, the co-driver. Mm-hmm. He, um, he got pretty messed up and everyone left there on stretchers, um, except me. And, and what happened was, well, I, I eventually left on stretcher, but what happened is I come into the, the end and I jump out. And I start returning fire by myself and I call in our sit rep and everything that's going on. And I remember it was like the longest five minutes of my life. There's just like fire going around, all this crazy stuff's happening. And they always tell you to check yourself to see if you're wet. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times your is pumping, you don't know if you've been cut or stabbed or, you know, shot or whatever. And if you feel wet, it's usually blood.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so <laughs> this is like another whole OC moment. So I'm like, I'm wet, and and the co-driver comes to, and he's like, "Ashby, are you okay?" And I'm like, "I'm wet, I'm wet," but I'm returning fire, and I'm like trying to, re, you know, hold off stuff, and finally, like the rest of our convoy shows up, and we secure the perimeter, and everything, everything happens, and they said as soon as they said "site secure," I collapsed, mm-hmm. and I woke up like two days later on a hospital bed. The reason I was wet was because like little things that you get there are the biggest things in the world, and my family had sent me over like a six pack of those like Starbucks frappuccino, like. You know what I mean? Like those little glass jars. Yep. And I had one next to me that I'd been saving all day and I was going to tr- drink it that night because it's three o'clock in the morning and I needed that, right? Yeah. And that exploded and covered me in Frappuccino. <laughs> so it was. So you're saying it was like the Memphis Belle moment where they got hit with
0: the soup when the bullet went in and the found yes. of soup canister. So it was your Memphis
1: Belle moment. So, yeah. so I'm sitting there in, mocha, luckily. Orange mocha like, Frappuccino. Exactly. For the grace of God, I'm covered in like a vanilla Frappuccino. And not blood. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of us walked away and lived that that day. And that was probably, you know, I mean, between that and, like, RPGs hitting us a couple times and, like, being in a vehicle that explodes, you know, it was a pretty interesting time. Yeah. So I get through all that stuff in the military and I come home. And I just remember, at one point I remember sitting at my unit up in Long Beach and some new guys came in. And they said, who's that? And it was Tyson's picture up on the wall. And he was in our unit. He was one of the first guys killed in our unit. And I just remember, like, man. Like, people are forgetting him, and he gave his life, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so at that point, I was like, I feel like I need to do something to honor my friends and to do something for them. So thus enters my life into the automotive industry. Um, I had bought – I had literally saved up money f- for a long time, decades, and I went down and bought an Infiniti G35. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to build this car as a memorial towards my friends who died. So I start building this thing, and it kind of takes on a life of its own. And about that time was around two thousand six, seven, and this car like takes off, and it becomes the National Guard's fallen heroes. It gets covers of magazines. It won like fifty, fifty best paint awards, fifty best car show awards and all yeah, over the country. For, for our listeners that are obviously listening and, and haven't seen
0: the car, can you describe a little bit more about how what you went to do with the paintwork and whatnot?
1: So what we did is. Um, we literally wanted to build something that was a rolling mural for Mm -hmm. these three soldiers. So we took this car, we stripped it all down, built it all out. And the paint job was probably the most unique thing to it. Um, Each soldier was portrayed on each side of the car. So on the hood was Tyson on one side of the car was Adelini, And on the other side of the car was McCaffrey. And when we built the car, I had originally called the families and said, here's what I want to do. Would you guys be okay with this? And they were like, yeah. Because like, at that point, I felt like it wasn't my right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I could ask. And, and they granted me permission to do it. And I built this car. And I told them that I would only build the car if they would show up to the first show where I debut it. Mm-hmm. So, I remember when we debuted it, um, Tyson's grandma was there. And I thought she was going to have a heart attack when she saw the car. The work that Corey St. Clair did on the airbrushing on that car is next to none. I've never seen an airbrushing job to this day. Even, like, his future stuff I've seen. Love you, Corey. But I think the passion that he put into that car and me constantly, like, with my foot on his head mm-hmm. trying to get that thing done um, was definitely a motivator of just the talent, the raw talent that guy has. And everyone, like, all the family said it's easier to go to their graves than it is to see this car because of how well he did the murals. It looks like you're looking at a photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, With shadows and, you know, just everything the way he did, everything in detail. So we built this car and throughout the next year and a half, two years, this car takes a life of its own. And I get a phone call from the National Guard out of Washington, D.C., which is like JP 16, Mm -hmm. which is a part of the, like next to the Pentagon. And they're basically the headquarters of the National Guard. And they call me and they say, hey, how would you feel about becoming our spokesman? And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, we want you to travel the country talk to people about your service about your friends that died and you know, it's basically become the poster boy. And at first I was kind of like, I don't know about that. But then, but then I remember like, the whole reason we did this was to basically build, you know, this mural. And so why wouldn't I do that? Right. Mm -hmm. So I take it on. And so now I'm working construction. I'm back to working construction. I'm running, um, framing crews at Douglas E. Barnhart here in California. And at one point I think I was managing like 90 employees And about twenty million a year in work, while I was doing this whole thing on the side. Yeah, and I was gone every weekend with this car at hot import nights or these different car shows all around the country, and it was just insane that that, like this world had just opened up to me. And what I realized at that moment in time was I was either going to build a company or I was going to try to build my name. And and I thought about it, and you know, you're very lucky to become a guy like Chip Foose. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean with that name, but Companies, as long as they're building a good resume can grow to anything they want to grow. Right. It's a lot easier to grow a company than as a person. So I created a company called leadership designs, leadership designs, the word leadership. Everyone's like, Oh, you didn't spell it right. And I'm like, no, that's the acronym for the army values. It's loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. The word leadership. So most people that have served when they see my business card, they're like, Oh, you're prior military or this has something to do with military. Right. Mm -hmm. Which it does. So, you know, we, we strive ourselves to be like the military and, um, So that's where the word or the name leadership designs came up with. And then, you know, flash forward, we built three or four cars, four years, five years later, I get a phone call from general motors. And it was when the Camaro was first coming out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they say that any door can be open for you, but it's up to you to keep yourself in the room, right? It's it's your hard work that keeps you there. And which I agree with some of that, but I also agree with, there's some people in this life that are blessed with good friends and good support and good families that a lot of people don't have. And I think I was blessed with that. And literally we start building this, this car and we get it done. And it's just like the way that car came together, I felt like I didn't even control it. Like I felt like it almost controlled me in a way mm-hmm. with like, I'd never worked with a company called BBS, but obviously you know who they are, right? Yeah. Like to To have BBS build you a one-off set of forged wheels and get their prototypes, it's kind of nice. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, at that point, I didn't even realize that. You know what I mean? Because I didn't like. I you got to remember, like I'm still so new. Like I'm new, I'm still a newbie. Yeah, you're ten still years into about the wood frames. Yeah, you're like, yeah look, I've got this in the week. Exactly. You know, I'm like Hitachi nail guns. I got you. You know what I mean? BBS, Makita BBS tools. Else, I got you. Forged? What are BBS wheels? Uh, yeah. they look nice. Forged. I guess. Like what does that mean? Like yeah. forged in the. Depths of hell, I don't know.
0: Yeah, hey, Mordor or something like that. Lord of the Rings. I
2: was gonna say that.
1: Uh, it's like one wheel to control them all. Yeah. So, so, anyways, um, I'm just like in awe, and then I get a phone call from Brembo. Like everyone knows who Brembo, are, right? So I get a phone call from Brembo, and it was like, Brembo's like, "Hey, we have these new Rally RS wheels. We'd like to send you. We're gonna buy them back from Chevy mm-hmm. and give them to you, the prototype, because we want them on your car for this yeah. build you're doing." I'm like, "Oh, cool." We build the entire car in like carbon fiber. Some more airbrushing stuff goes on it, and the car ends up winning best domestic built at SEMA in 2009 by um, the Grant by Gran Turismo. And Which is actual, a nice award to have. Yeah, it's like like that, those are one of those awards that come once in a lifetime. Yeah. Um. So we have it's, it's around here somewhere. I'll have to show it to you, but it's a gold plated PSP. And awesome. it says it says best domestic on it. And so the creator of Gran Turismo actually sat in my car, yeah. signed it, and like hung Cassandori? out for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So really, really. He was cool a very guy. nice guy. Yes. Like very humble. Yeah. Like, like you would never, like you would not, he you'd be like, oh, that's probably a bank teller somewhere or something. Yeah, but like you that. definitely don't want to cross him on the racetrack. No, Whew. no. Probably not. No, no. He's very fast. So um, we win that award and it that and we called it the moment. Mm -hmm. That was the Camaro. It was called The Moment. It got the cover of GM High Tech, which, again, something I didn't realize. And now years later, I'm like, hey, idiot. There's certain magazines that are worth more covers than other magazines, right? Mm -hmm. Like getting a typical what I call like a past mag cover, which is like a car show magazine. Yeah. Like that's a little bit simpler. But when you get a magazine GM High Tech, basically they're saying that your car is so cool about technical and performance of it. It's more about the function than the form, but the form has to look good enough to nail the cover. They put a black car on the cover of a magazine, which never happens yeah, because is, black does not photograph well. No, as any photographer tell you, black is a challenge. So literally we get the cover of GM High Tech with this thing. And about that moment in time, I was just like, you know what? I'm 10 years into the military right now, and I kind of want to get out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I love what they're doing for me and everything, but I just felt like I was kind of plateauing with them. Mm-hmm. And at that moment in time, like, the war was dying down, all that kind of stuff. And one of the major things I was doing is they were flying me around, and I would go to conferences with, like, Dale Jr. and Kid Rock and, like, all these famous people. Michael Jordan was at one. I'm just like, why am I here? Like, I'm a nobody. And they bring me up on stage, and I'm, like, talking. And it was crazy because all the soldiers were screaming and yelling about me Mm -hmm. more than they were about the other celebrities. And I'm like, what the Dude, I'm a nobody. I'm like one level above a landscaper over here. Like, why are you guys, you know, and I think you're doing yourself a discredit. Well, it it is what it is. But, but to stand on a stage by Michael Jordan, you know what I mean? Like when I say that's a, that's a big man, I'm saying that more than just size. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very intimidating person to sit next to at a table. Um. So I'm sitting there, and especially I'm, if he's like, "Look, after this, we're going one on one." Yeah, exactly, right. I yeah. mean, yeah, going one on one. Give me an AR-15, and you get one, <laughs> and we'll go one on one. You're a way bigger target than I am.
0: <sighs> uh, but yeah, I can imagine it be a challenge in that regard, and yeah, I can understand how it would work with the psyche So,
1: you know I mean, so at that moment, I was just like, oh, I got, I'm ready to move on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I felt like I'd done all that stuff, and and it was a great time. And, and one of the funnest things I think I ever did in the National Guard was. They would bring me into high schools and colleges and I would do motivational speeches, Mm -hmm. which was a really cool thing to do. And at one point, like you can imagine, you know, some of these high schools with a little bit more liberal views these days. You have this 20 year old guy walking in there and I'd I'd be dressed in like regular Chucks jeans and a T-shirt. And then I'd have my laptop there because like back in the days of PowerPoint Mm -hmm. and I'd have my laptop there. And like the way I would start out is like I had a video of me blowing up a car. Oh, so just like, the video of the OC and be like, "This is how no, we." No, I wasn't. Why you got to bring that back up again? Look, I'm so, sorry. anyways,
0: <laughs> I'm trying to like bring my masculinity back. Sorry, um, it's all right. We talked about Mordor. It's okay. It's yeah, firmly yeah, right? in like, you're We're okay. literally just a bunch
1: of nerds now. Yeah. So, so, anyways, um, I'd go into these high schools, and they would make it like, a, "Oh, the National Guard's bringing in this person to talk," right? But. I remember at one point, like when I'd, I'd start my laptop and it would start with like this explosion, like gunfire and explosion. And it'd have us like in the middle of this firefight thing. And, and everyone's just like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I'd just walk out in normal clothes and I'd be like, who here plays Call of Duty? Black Hawk down. Anyone play it? And everyone'd be like, yeah. yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, I live that yeah. for the last four years of my life. I live that. And it was the best time of my life. And then people would be like, well, weren't you afraid to die? And I'd be like, and I'd, I'd check stats and I'd be like, dude, you're eight times more likely to get shot in Washington D.C. from game washington dc from gang violence than you are in iraq there was more deaths per capita in la county last year um for violence and gangs than there was in iraq during the entire war check these stats before you just like watch the news and and become a sheep so i would say these things and people would just start getting interested and you know they had like them standing up on that stage talking them about this Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden then i would bring the cars in and like we would do most of these things in like big garages or that kind of stuff at these campuses, and all of a sudden you just hear like these roar of these cars, or you know, what I mean, like the, um, you know, like the uh, the three hundred and fifty Z that we built, it was a twin or a turboed four point two stroke motor, you know, what I mean, things like that. Yeah. And these these kids would just be like, uh, you know, this is like the days before Instagram, like mm-hmm. when MySpace very first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people would just lose it on this stuff because you know. Nowadays, it's so accessible. Yeah, and Back then, it wasn't. Yeah, And so if you weren't out like at the drag strip on your Friday night, you weren't seeing stuff like this. So literally, we'd bring these cars in, rev them up, and everyone's just insane. And I'm like, this is what I do. And people are like, what? No, obviously, granted, it was a little bit more of a unicorn situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I was lucky to be in. But still using it on the end of the marketing thing, saying all my service got me here, and your service could get you anywhere. Yeah. was It was always the way I looked at it. And I remember at one point at a Florida high school – We started out with an anticipated 100 people coming to see it, which is a lot in a high school. And by the end of the day, the principal had mandated that every student come through it. We had 1,200 kids on the last thing that I was talking to. And at the end of it, I think 10% of them went and signed up for an appointment with the military Mm -hmm. to go talk to them about pursuing a career and getting college paid for and that kind of stuff. And, you know, to this day, I still think that it should be a rule for citizenship in the United States that you should have to serve. Mm -hmm. Some countries have that and look at the way those countries operate. You don't have the entitlement issues. You don't have those things. And I'm not saying everyone has to go serve in war. They could go be a firefighter. They could go be a police officer, civil servant, anything, right. Go serve in the courthouse, just Mm -hmm. something so that you have more of a, like, like you have some chips in on the game and you're not just sitting there like taking the me, you know, like the the, the me moment there. Yeah. So, you know, um, so anyways, I, I decided to leave the military and I, you know, I kind of give them my notice and I don't resign. And, you know, to this day, they all still call me and like we all still chat and, and I go do stuff with them here and there. And, um, and about that moment in time, I remember, I, I'll never forget it. Um, Kenny Adams from Rockstar Energy walks into the Chevy booth when that Camaro was, was debuted and he just walks in and he goes, so who are you? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, I'm the guy who was standing next to Michael Jordan five minutes ago. Who are you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally kidding. Me. I have that attitude. But I was just like, I, I'm Nick. How's it going? And I was like, you know, what's your name? And we start talking. And he goes, oh, he's like, so you're with the National Guard, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, how long are you going to stay with him? I'm like, I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, I'll be getting out this next year. And he's like, cool. He's like, well, give me, you know, give me a call. He's like, I don't carry a business card. It's like the famous saying of everyone at Rockstar, I don't carry a business card. He's like, but give me your information I'll reach out. I was like, all right. So I give my information and then I don't think anything of it, right? Because when you go to shows and you go to places, you yeah, know it. Like, you made, everyone's like, lots, oh, lots, let's, let's talk later. Let's, let's talk connect. later. And nothing yeah. ever comes of anything. Yeah. So I remember it was like three or four months later, I get this weird cryptic email and it was like, hey, how close do you live to LA? And I was like, not too far. And he's like, cool. Are you Available next Thursday. And I was like, sweet. Yeah. He's like, all right, come to this address in Beverly Hills. I'm like, why am I going to Beverly Hills? And so I remember walking in and it was like, you know, you, you think, you think you're going to have anticipation of what you're going to walk into when you walk into different places, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you walk into like a NASCAR, like NASCAR are going to be laying all around and drivers are just going to be like drinking natural light or, you know, Bud Light or Budweiser or whatever, yeah. talking about how awesome their cars are. And I remember walking in to Rockstar the first time into this office and it was a round table. And it was this, you know, this, they all call it like their famous round table was this round table and like 20 people can sit at it. It's huge. Like you could lay two bodies across it and not get in the end. And I walk in and sit down at this and every manager from rockstar, from every part of rockstar energy was sitting at this table. And I mean like the guys who manage the athletes for X games Mm and motocross guys, the off-road guys, everyone. And I'm just like, I don't think I belong in here. And there's like, and then on like half the side of the table, It's all of the proposals or new assets that are thinking about coming apart. So I'm sitting next to, like, guys that own Lamborghini race teams and, like, gumball guys and, like, all these guys that obviously want Rockstar's money and time and energy, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't think I belong here. You know what I mean? Again, I'm just like this guy who's out here in Temecula, like, elsewhere area. And everyone kind of sits down, puts their pitch through, and it kind of just gets shoved off or denied. And they all just kind of, like, dwindle off, and I'm the last guy sitting there. And then they're like, all right, so who's this? <laughs> no pressure. And I'm like, I'm Nick. And they're like – so, you know, we go through the whole thing. We're talking. And it was it was funny because we got a little bit of a pushback in the beginning from some of, like, the the OG guys at Rockstar because, you know, one of the things about Rockstar is they're very family-orientated, mm-hmm. and they're very protective on who they bring in as a part of their family, right? Because it's mm-hmm. still privately owned and all that stuff. And – I mean, which which kudos to them because most of the time, like, you get in a position like that, you just want to kind of use your fame and your power to, like, control the world. Yeah. And these guys are, like, very selective of who they bring in and, and who they bring a part of things. And I remember they were like, so who are you? And I'm like, I'm Nick. And and all of a sudden, like, they're like, okay. And then they make a phone call. And, like, the rest of, like, the rock star team comes in, like, social media guys and all these guys. And we sit down and we start talking. And then the vice president who comes in and sits down and Jason Maine, And he goes – He's like, "What does everyone think about this?" And you know, and half the group was probably like, "Yeah, let's go for it." And the other half was like, "Nah, we already have car guys we work with, you know, yada yada." And he was like, "You know what? I like it. We're doing it." And so he just kind of like pulled rank on everyone. And I was like, and then Kimmy's like, "Yeah, that that doesn't happen, you know." Just like you know, and I was like, "Oh, he's like, so don't screw up." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> no man. pressure, no pressure now." So then at that point, it was like, "All right, let's go build a SEMA car, right?" And this is way before Rockstar Garage or anything. It was just like Rockstar was going to become the national guard for me, right? Mm-hmm. So. We we built this um, this Challenger, and it, it's a Challenger. Actually, it's outside right now. And I still have it. Um, 2011, Dodge gave it to us. We built it for SEMA, mm-hmm. and we had to like go into it and propose we wanted to build it. Out of every single person in this industry, you know what I mean? Like God bless Dodge. Dude, they chose us, and they gave us the car, which is pretty insane. And we got it, and then they gave a, ch- a charger to another guy. He had issues building his charger that year, and Dodge called me. And I called the guy, and I helped him build his car, too, because I was like, at this point, we need to do whatever we can to help Dodge, because Dodge is a part of our family now, right? Mm -hmm. So, literally, we we built... And the guys at Dodge are very, very nice. Yes, they are. Um, So, and, and Eric was an amazing guy to work with that year. And so, we literally get this thing built, and it was funny, because... Most of the time that, like, you build, like, an energy drink style build or, like, one of those styles of builds, mm-hmm. usually, you know, like, you seem like more of a traditional automotive guy. You see those builds, and you're like, oh, my God, look at this gaudy riced out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Core of, yeah. of a build. Yeah. So we build this car, and it was all Rockstar branded. It was black and gold. Um, but the attention to detail that we'd put in everything, every magazine who shot it said, finally – an energy drink build car, like style of car marketing, build, whatever done. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look at the details in this. It was a supercharged 6.4 liter 392 that was putting out like 650 horse. And it was, it was the time that like Fiat had just like started working with them and was like shutting everyone out of programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were having to break the programming with uh, Vortech and try to figure all that stuff out. And even though it was Dodge's car and they were giving it to us, they still wouldn't let us program it and like yeah. mess with that. Yeah, yeah. So we were having to like transfer files back and forth what we needed and, it was just a pain in the butt build, but we ended up getting it done. It it debuted did amazing. And, and I've always had, you know, the thing is, is you don't need to retire off one job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Work to live comfortably and work like your long-term partners. I've always had that theory. So rockstar didn't put a whole lot into that build. And, you know, because of the, the value to rockstar is, is the name mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's you, they shouldn't be handing you a name and a big check to go with it they should just be handing you the name and seeing like hey if you want to work and you want to hustle here's our support and we'll support you but you still got to put you know skin in this game yeah so put those ten thousand hours in so to speak correct so of I, sorts. exactly so so i come back and, and i'm sitting again at beverly hills with this car and we have the car all built and it's sitting there and and everyone walks outside and they're like this is awesome you mean know, because I've never been on something like that. And then we have all, like all the marketing and everything we did with it. And they're like, let's build another one. And I'm just coming back from SEMA, right? And anyone who knows anything about building a car for SEMA, the last thing you want to do the week after SEMA is build a car. Right? Build a car. No, it's the total thing. you I mean, it's <laughs> nothing's happens last minute. There's no
0: pressure whatsoever. It's finished weeks correct. ahead. It's totally correct. fine.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah. Everything
0: works like a dream. It's so seamless. There's never anything. There's no so, last minute paint touch ups or anything like that.
1: So while you're at Mordor and we're here in reality right now. Exactly. That's not the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. So so we're sitting here and, and they're like, let's do all this stuff. And I'm like, yo, I'm not doing this again without our actual garage. Like I'm not going to go to different places and keep like borrowing lifts and, you know, their welders and all that kind of stuff. We got to build our own garage. And they were like, okay, let's do it. And I was like, well, that takes capital. Like that takes that takes more than just a name. And they were like, all right, let's do it. And I'm like – like you are going to throw money at this, and then like they're like, "We'll help. We're not going to pay for everything, but we'll help." And at that moment, in time I was like, "Damn, that's pretty cool." You know what I mean? So, because in in you know, I am at that point, I am like twenty five, twenty six years old. I am just like I have this company, Rockstar, who's stepping behind me. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I don't have like crap of a pedigree, mm-hmm. which a lot of people in this industry have. Yep. you know what I mean. And yep. and I felt like at that moment, I kind of like line skipped a little bit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was like, "I am going to piss a lot of people off because." I don't think I'm entitled to that yet. Um, so I, I just, I kept it very quiet and kept it very humble um, and just tried to work through it all. And I remember like two weeks later, I signed a lease on a building. And and then I literally called my company and put my two weeks in. And I was, dude, I was making good money. I was making like 150, 200 a year at this construction company. And I walked away from all that to start my own company. Yeah, which is and
0: obviously starting a new company from scratch. No pressure whatsoever, yeah. right?
1: And at the same time, like, who's my ex-wife now, told me she was pregnant two months after I quit my company. And I'm like, Perfect time. you you're couldn't like, tell me this? Like, you're two months pregnant. You couldn't tell me this then? Like, thanks for that, hookup homie. So now I don't have any insurance for my kid mm-hmm. um, who's coming. I don't have a paycheck coming in. I have a company that's starting up. And I'm, like, on the verge of a mental breakdown. I'm just losing it. And I was like, man... You know, there's there's times that you sink and there's times that you swim and there's times you just paddle as hard as you can to try to do you know to try to stay afloat and yep. and at that moment times I just remember like going back to like my my farm roots and just going put your head down and get it done and hopefully everything lays out and follows up and I remember doing that and a couple of really good companies got behind me and I started working and we started growing you know what I mean and and now we're sitting here with Rockstar Performance Garage and. It's it's insane. You know what I mean? Like, even today, it's still insane to me that I get to do this for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to build cool cars and work with the raddest brands and the coolest people. And it's like right now, we we're, were talking about doing this today. And I'm like, well, none of the cars are going to be there. And all of my staff is out at King of the Hammers. So if you just want to come talk to me, I guess that's cool. But, you know, the cool stuff's not here. I know.
0: But I still think it's all cool.
1: And I think about a great time talking to you, Nick. Awesome.
0: But, but how did you go then from like working on like the one off SEMA cars to like, the transition to what you're doing now, where it's a lot of like essentially performance driven off road
1: vehicles, right? So, how that sort of so come about? Uh, so one of the companies that I first started working with that I actually still work with today was Mishimoto.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Mishimoto was a ver- was an infant when we first started working together back in the year 2011, um, doing the stuff that we were doing, and they weren't in the off road at all. Um, and I'll never forget what Mike Sullivan said to me he said. The people who make money in any industry, they see gaps in that industry and they provide or they fill that gap. And how he explained it to me with his company was, you have three different types of what I would call categories of cooling on a car, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have your OEM, which is basically your direct replacement, Yep, your OEM part number. Then you're going to have companies that are like a Griffin or a CBR, which is like a $2,000 radiator, Right. But there's no one in between. Does that make sense? It does. So Mishimoto came in and said, look, we're not making something as nice as these guys over here. We don't want to, we want to make something that's affordable, but it's better than performance and provide a lifetime warranty with it. And now look at Mishimoto. Like they're one of the biggest automotive companies when it comes to that category there is. Yeah. And and they've passed a lot of their competitors because of that mentality. Take care of your customers, offer an unlimited warranty. And like the, I've seen the warranty things that come in from them. And I'm like, why are you warrantying that? And he's like, it's not about the part. It's about the person. So I kind of took that thought process and said, I don't think there's a lot of marketing companies out there with a soul. Mm-hmm. You know, most marketing companies will say, sure, we'll do that for you. We'll make this business card look like this. But they're not like, hey, buddy, this business card isn't going to do well. So I'd rather not take your money. I'd rather tell you it's not going to do well and pass on that job. Okay. So that's kind of what I started doing. I started working with brands and I started putting like my heart into it. Right. And I started making the owners of these companies come work with us. So it's like, yeah, you're going to build a supercharger for a Jeep. Great. Go buy a Jeep and bring it out on the trail and will with us. So the problems that you face are the problems your consumer faces out on the trail when they're 300 miles from nowhere Mm -hmm. and make sure that thing works correctly. Because we don't want to be getting those phone calls, right? It's like that whole human side of things. Yeah. So we started doing that with all the brands we work with. And then um, we started, you know, getting brands to work together. So what Rockstar Garage initially started at was me building cars as leadership designs that were like these one-off marketing cars for SEMA. And now we're like a full-loop marketing company. So the things that we provide here, one, we don't cold call. And we don't go out and just pull random people saying, can we market with you? Mm -hmm. We're referral only. Okay. So in order for a brand to come in Rockstar Garage, the other brands have to refer them. Okay. Because again, we're, we're like a big brand thing here. So the way it works and the way we work at Rockstar Garage is we're like a hub. And there's all these spokes, which are the companies and ambassadors. And we make sure everything spins and works together. And we make sure those relationships are managed while we're building cool content. So, As of today, what we offer here is we offer business to business. Mm -hmm. We manage about a million dollars in parts a year between brands. Mm -hmm. So all the brands order parts through us for the other brands to build cars or to do marketing and stuff. And then we send out the orders and we track all that for them. And then that way, whenever they need something, they know if they have credit in another company. Because sales guys will come and go. But the owner is the VP is there forever, right? Yeah. So we'll get phone calls saying, hey, I need these tires or these wheels or this exhaust or this intake. And we go, oh, here it is. And then each one of those companies allocates a certain amount of money to Rockstar Garage every year. Mm-hmm. And then we literally just kind of hand stuff out. Um, and then we track it and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do with it. We make sure the logos go on correctly. We, we you know, kind of manage all that. So that's the business-to-business aspect. The next aspect we do is ambassador management. Um, ambassadors have obviously become a big thing. But the problem is, is like everyone on Instagram or social media thinks they're an ambassador. But none of them. influencer. Oh, sorry, influencer. Yeah. Whatever it is this week. So, (laughs) but but the biggest thing is, is what we do is influencers are great. But if you're not like building that steady content around them and you're not managing them correctly, what are they really worth? Yeah. You know what I mean? Kanan said it best when they said, I can have a thousand race teams. But if I don't do something with a thousand race teams, what are they worth? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's great. They're out there pushing me, but I need to be able to do something with those. So I'd rather have 10 race teams that I can do something with and have a thousand race teams I can do nothing with. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of the perception on the ambassador program we have. So we have them all over the country, you know, and, and that's kind of my way of giving back in a way of like, maybe, maybe one point building the next me right for this industry and kind of passing that torch on in a way and um, being able to take someone and find someone with good values. Because the one thing I don't like about the automotive industry is the size of the ego and the lack of the morals. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people that, are greedy, they get parts and then they don't do what they should do for that brand or that company okay. with those parts. Mm-hmm. And I see it constantly. I'm just like, man, like, would you do that in front of your mom and dad? Like, would you do that in front of your kids? Because mm-hmm. if, if that's an answer on either one of those with a no, then you probably shouldn't do it, you yeah. know? And so I can tell you right now that over the last five years, we've had direct hands in millions of dollars in parts and every part was where it was supposed to go. And the the few people that didn't do a good job with their parts either got bills or got parts revoked or got kicked out. Yeah. you know, And they're not a part of it anymore Um, because no one wants to deal with that. All of us have our jobs and all of us have our stuff. No one needs to deal with any of that. So we do master management. um, Social media-wise, I own a bunch of pages. I've got great ambassadors. And then – Um, Between all of that, across social media, I think we have like 2.4 million followers. Which is a fair few. Yeah. Um, And and a lot of it is towards the kind of like the off-road community Mm because that's where a lot of brands want to be right now. Mm -hmm. Which we're starting to kind of make some moves to different areas because I feel like it's kind of getting crowded in here now. Um, But we have that. And then between all the brands we work with, um, we create content here too. So you're like seeing all these empty workstations, right? Yeah. So and so lots are,
0: of lovely photos as well yeah add yes. lovely
1: photos and so you know it's, it's all about creativity here, so these pe- these stations usually have people at them, but right now, my awesome team is sitting over at Johnson Valley in the dirt in San right now while you and I sit in an air conditioned office, and they're getting us this content, yeah that you see on these and walls. when you say sitting, you mean they're working incredibly hard, getting Correct. very dusty very what, dirty. What they're, what they're probably doing right now is they're probably sitting in a in a car bombing across the desert to get to that point where they need to shoot something or do something. Yeah. Um, You know, or standing out in the heat or, you know, just burying it to put their heart into their passion of creativity for all these brands and all these people. And so that's why you see an empty house here, so to say. Um, And King of the Hammers is a big deal for us. You know, we're out there for, I think nine days Mm -hmm. straight and these guys don't get to come home and see their families or do anything. They're just out there working and doing that stuff.
0: And do you want to explain a little bit about uh, how King of the Hammers goes and how it sort of blows up out of nothing and sort of go into a little bit. Some of the listeners can, Oh,
1: my mom in particular likes to learn all these things. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so the last thing was is on the content creation we do here. So we have a huge server online Mm -hmm. and we create terabytes of content. Like this last year in 2019, we pumped out 700 videos and over 8,000 photos that were used on TV, magazines, social media, you mean like it's that, a fair that, bit of content let's correct, be honest right and so but we store up to three years of content too for brands mm-hmm. so a brand can come to us and we go hey you're a part of our fold now you have con you have access to all this content we do lead generation we also do activation and events where we set up booths and do that kind of stuff yep and literally these companies get to come in they get to be a part of this imagine being the guy who's running social media you know for mickey thompson and he has four years of content online that he can go through the is, is all his tires? Yeah. Because again, all we shoot is for our brands. Our mm-hmm. brands have to work together in order for us to work with them. So that's what we do there, and we provide all this content. Um, and we, like, I think Dennis right now is working on a new TV commercial for Fox and for uh, Mickey Thompson. Mm-hmm. So we do those every year for them as well. And which is, it, it's cool to you know, get a text message from your friends going, "I just saw your car on Fox," like, or "I just saw that commercial you guys did." You know, like that's awesome. And and it's it's kudos to these guys and their raw talent they have. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so that's kind of what we do here. Now, going to King of the Hammers. King of the Hammers started out with me um, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> it was, I think, 2012 or 13 was the first year I went, and I knew nothing about it. It was just a desert race out in the middle of nowhere in Johnson Valley, and it is not what it is now. Um, and I remember coming out there, and the first year I was out there, I slept in a Jeep. I was just like, I didn't have the money. I didn't have anything. And it was, again, the first year of my company starting up. So I slept in a Jeep Wrangler in the back of it. I remember I did not sleep very well. And, I wonder why. And I was out there. It was cold. And, and I was out there, and I was with Gen right off-road. Mm-hmm. And at that moment in time, there was a lot of people that had taken the side of a company called Poison Spider, who was kind of like Gen Wright's main competitor. And a lot of people weren't working with Jen Wright. And I was like, oh, I want the underdog. Like I, I want to go work with them. So I started kind of like working my way into work with Gen Wright a little bit. And now, flash forward, now, like, Jen Wright's Jen the big boy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, when it comes yeah. to the armor stuff, which is rad because it, it, I've, I've got to work with them this whole time through all this, and to see, like, now, like, you have that shift of people that was with that other company, and now they're like, oh, I want to be a part of Jen right now. And I'm like, man, you're such fair weather fans. You know what I mean? Type yeah. thing. And it's it's kind of like when the, you know, with, like, right now, how many people are loving the 49ers, right? But how many people were loving them a year or two ago? Mm-hmm. So... So anyways, um, we go out there, I crash in that thing. And then I had my truck out there, my, um, Chevy. And, and I remember it was a twin turbo Duramax we built. that was all carbon fiber for Chevy and had long travel and I call that kind of cool stuff. And we get out there and it was the, the day of the big race. And at that moment in time, I kind of like solidified my relationship with Jen, Wright. Um, it was one or two AM Tony Pellegrino was out in the race car. And he was stuck on, I think it was Sledgehammer, and they needed their welding trailer taken to Sledgehammer. Now, if you've ever been to King of the Hammers, to understand pulling a welding trailer, which is basically like a 10 foot by 12 foot box trailer, Mm -hmm. up into Jackhammer... So we can get the welders and the generator and everything. I mean,
2: we're in there. not
0: just talking like taking it down the street here on straight no. paved roads, no traffic whatsoever,
1: easy general middle of the day. Kind like of thing. most, like like most, just regular off road jeeps, trucks can't make it there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm towing a ten thousand pound trailer in this fully built, you know, Chevy, and we're bombing. I'm like, I'm hitting things, and I'm like, I think we just lost an axle on that trailer. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we get in there, we, we'll fix it we, later. We it's drag fun. the yeah. generator and, and the welders and stuff all the way up to the side of this mountain and it was the longest night of my life and it was cold and it was miserable um but we got there we had to weld an entire knuckle back on an axle and get it home which is like a 30 second job right easy totally in and out yeah totally yeah exactly so we get this thing back and it was like 3 or 4 a.m and i just remember looking at all those guys and all of them walked into their rvs their campers and everything and I walked over to my Jeep <laughs> and I crawled in the back of my Jeep and went to bed. And no one at Genrite knew that I was sleeping in my Jeep, right? Like they all thought I had a camper or something because that, that's a normal thing, right? Everyone's like, oh, everyone's has got campers. Everyone yeah. has RVs. I'm like, you know, I didn't. So literally, um, I, I go into that thing, fall asleep. 9 a.m. rolls around. I get a knock on my door. And everyone's like, wake up. And I'm like, what? And they're like, it's time to go home. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, we're going home now? I'm like, I thought we were all out here for like, no, like the race is over. We're going home. And I got a phone call like, the next week from Tony Puggerino. and he was like, Hey, I was like I don't know you very well, but I appreciate you. Thanks for coming out there and rescuing me and like and helping out and stuff. And from that moment in time, um Tony's and my friendship kind of formed. Mm-hmm. And now Gen Rite Off Road is probably one of our biggest partners when it comes to performance. Um we've been a, we've had the ability through Rockstar to to make them a Rockstar race team. And now we have Jordan, his son, racing, and probably one of the most dynamic, technologically advanced cars there is. It's a fully independent suspension car. Mm-hmm. It, they're calling it the Razor Ten Thousand because it literally it's like the same type of geometry that a typical Razor would use. Yeah, but it's like on a way bigger scale with nine hundred horsepower. Yeah. So it, you know, it's just insane. So now we have this whole setup, and we're out there, and we're doing this, and you know, and now we're hitting thirty events a year, and we're just traveling the country and we're creating social media for these big brands and just doing all this rad stuff and it has been one hell of a ride and i hope it doesn't end anytime soon but you know what i mean it's it's been an amazing ride thus far and at this point in time i couldn't have asked for a better life
0: yeah so with that being said obviously king of the hammers when when this airs will be in the thick of it but
1: what's set for the rest of like 2020 what else are you going to be up to so in 2020 um we have a bunch of new ambassadors Again, like every year we kind of rotate out. We'd let some ambassadors go. We'd bring some new ambassadors on. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember the big fires that happened up in Paradise? Yes. So um, it was like a year ago, last SEMA. Mm -hmm. Um, So Alan Pierce, the Pandra, that truck that saved all lives and everything, he's now one of our ambassadors. Okay, yep. So that new truck he has, we built with Toyota. Mm -hmm. And so he's actually coming out the King of the Hammers. So that's like one of the new ambassadors we have. We have a new Tacoma we just signed, Spartan Taco. He's on four he's going on forty three inch Pro X's for Mickey Thompson. So imagine it to come on forty threes. Yeah. Um and then we just have, you know, some awesome ambassadors, rogues in it this year again, uh Bandicons in it this year again. There's just there's a ton of great ambassadors we have. Um and you know, some new shops we're working with as well. And our game plan this year is every year we go to Moab and we film. It's probably our biggest content driven thing there we go there and we spend seven days filming. Mm -hmm. Um, and we gather some of like a lot of these pictures you've seen here from Moab. And this year we're doing something a little bit different. We've created a Facebook group called the great American crawl. Okay. And I think, I think one of the biggest problems with all this social media and all, and all this access is a lot of people have lost that human interaction of what of where marketing stops and where it just is about the passion or the fun. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I I remember with last, last last trip we did at San hollow mischief maker, who's one of my ambassadors, she's my manager for the ambassadors. At one point, like her and I broke away from all the media guys and we're like, let's just go will. And it was insane because I was just like flying down the trail and I'm doing all this stuff. And she was like, slow down. And I'm like, Man, it's crazy I don't have to stop. Because, like, when you are with media guys, you've got to kind of move at their pace and you've got to shoot because they're gathering all this media and you can't rush them. And when you're, you know what I mean, when you're doing, like, 15 vehicles on a run, like, I feel bad for those media guys because they're hustling. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know what I mean, it's just, it's kind of time consuming. And when you don't have cameras, you can just rip. Yeah. And you so I'm in gridlock, which is, like, a green Jeep, and, and I'm just ripping down the trail. And at one point, like, we end up on a buggy line. We're not even on a jeep line anymore. It's just buggies around us with rear steer and big tires and all that stuff. And they're like, yeah, jeeps aren't supposed to be here. And Holly and I are like, whatever, we're here, and we're going to wheel with you. So, you know, we did that, and it was amazing. It was a fun time. And it just it kind of reminded us, you know, wh- what this is all about. Mm-hmm. So we created this thing called the Great American Crawl. And what it is is we're hitting eight different stops around the country this year, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. Like Disney, Oklahoma is one we're going to go to with the waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Um, AOP... Wind Rock, like those big parks on the East Coast that were like the bouncers play, that normal Jeeps kind of never really go in and play in. We're going to go hit all those. And we've created this Facebook page called that, and we have all the stops set up, and we're setting up RSVPs. So everyone, anyone who wants can join the group. Mm-hmm. We screen them. You've got to have a vehicle that can wheel. You've got to be someone who will go out and wheel. But we're going to go wheel, and anyone who wants to go can go. And basically we're going to go, and we're going to make it like everyone's just hanging out. Now the film guys are going to be there. We are going to shoot some cool stuff. But it's more about just going out and willing and having a good time than it is about the content. However, we need the content to show everyone how much fun it was. Yeah. So that way next year if we do this again, everyone can see what we did. And also we're creating this huge database on our YouTube where all of this stuff will live. So anyone who wants to hit any trail in America can literally go to our YouTube, which is um Rockstar Garage YouTube and they can literally just go on there and say, oh, I want to see what Pritchett Canyon and Moab's about. And they can watch a 20-minute video of all these crazy Jeeps going over obstacles and doing yeah. all that stuff. And it is branding, and it is heavy branding, but it's done in a way to kind of say, this could be you out there on the trail with your Jeep, yeah. right? So But we're setting this up across the country for all these different places that normally don't get it, normally get to see that kind of stuff. So that's kind of our big thing this year. Um, we've got a lot of SEMA builds already lining up, which I can't really talk about right now. Um, we have that stuff going on. What else? It's it's just insane. Like Gridlock finally got done. We worked on that thing for eight months. We, and so, tell people what what is Gridlock then? You okay, break it down so, a little more. So Gridlock is what I would say is my dream Jeep. Mm-hmm. um It's a 1983 CJ7. It started out with a wheelbase of 96 inches. Yep. And now it had with a 31 inch tire, and now mm-hmm. it has a wheelbase of 120 inches. With a 46 inch tire, which is a little different, a, a little, a bit a wee different. bit different, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. But the height wise, it's an LCOG build, so it sits about the same height as a JK on 40s mm-hmm. with a 46 inch tire. Um, Dana kingpin, or kingpin 60 out in the front with an 11 and a half inch AM out of the rear, which is like the biggest axle you can get in the rear end. Um, and this year, I mean, like, I, I hope one day you get to see that thing in person because. The way that build again came together is like that Camaro, like it just kind of built itself. Um, but it has, the motor that's in it is a 4.4 4 liter supercharged STSV motor out of a Cadillac. So it's a factory forged hand-built motor, 500 horse, supercharged. It's insane. Like you can see the videos on Rockstar Garage They're doing like these crazy burnouts on Instagram and stuff. And when I say like a crazy burnout, I mean like the tuner who just came over here, Sean, the other night, worked with me until like 11 o'clock at night, like doing a custom tune on it. Um, once we had it dialed, he's like, all right, rip it. And we did a burnout with 46s all the way through third gear. Which right? Is, like yeah. like that's that's pretty impressive when you can sit there from stop. Yeah. And it has a grizzly locker in the rear, which is a full lock. Yeah. So it's a fully locked rear end. So it's spinning two forty six 46-inch tires all the way through first, all, all the way, way through, through second, second yeah. all the way through third. Which is a difficult. Let's be honest. It's a very, very challenging thing to do correct and there's no suspension hop Mm -hmm. you mean like there's nothing it's stable like it just it feels like you're just driving yeah you know what i mean but you're just sitting still and there's literally we get out of the car and there's like just pieces of rubber all over the car from where we just melted the tires yeah but you know what i mean rad thing is now those tires are greatly broken so they'll probably do this pretty good out there yeah so um we're actually going on you know one thing we're doing with gridlock is we're going on um it's called the american super jeep challenge okay um it's a tv show on motor trend and what happened is is they went around the country and they had like 20 places where they would go and they would take eight different jeeps that were radically built jeeps in that area Mm -hmm. and you would compete and the best jeep move forward okay so now they have like the top eight jeeps in the country Mm -hmm. and luckily gridlock made it on there And now I have to go compete with seven other Jeeps on TV out of King of the Hammers and do some little bit of racing, car crushing, that kind of stuff. And it's going to be rad because I think Gridlock's going to do a good job, but it's all on TV, right? Yeah. So, you mean, like, what's crazy is, like, Gridlock is this OD green color. Mm -hmm. It's actually, yeah, it's that one there. Um, It's this OD green color, and it's actually a bullet liner, bed liner spray job on it. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is, is, like, the amount of abuse that, Coating is taking and that's three years old and like look how nice that looks yeah it's look, you know it what looks I mean? amazing it looks, it looks like, like a beautiful, beautiful fresh paint job yeah right yeah there. but it's three years old and so when we rebuilt this thing and did this all this crazy work to it that was the only thing we didn't have to redo everything else like we we redid we touched up the axles were solid um those are all like yukon internals and those are all solid steel and the bed liner from bowl liner was is still solid but other than that we did like a full fully built dash in it custom center consoles race seats full intercom system nine speaker sound system mm-hmm. you know what I mean everything to that thing is like it's just everyone looks through it and just like there's not one expense spared on this you know what i mean and thank god for all the companies that helped me build yeah. it because i could have never afforded to build that thing yeah so now it's just this awesome marketing piece that we have so you're saying you're going to be a little bit busy then for 2020 yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of stuff I'm um, going on. And obviously, we'll probably be at SEMA again this year with all the stuff we have going on, and then like the full tour, and we like we we go from Florida to New York, Ohio. Really, like the only thing that we don't touch in is Texas, mm-hmm. um, which we'll probably do some events there later on this year, just to kind of get our feet in there. Um, but we have eight of those media trips planned, and I think that's going to be our biggest thing this year that we do because if we pumped out seven hundred videos and all that content with the photos, I can just imagine what we're gonna put out this year. Yeah. Hitting eight of those media stops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean
0: I can imagine that seven hundred is probably gonna be like, oh, only seven hundred lush. We can beat
1: that. Oh, and, and one of the other cool things that we do here I didn't talk about was licensing.
0: Oh, okay. So we have the ability let me grab one a second. Sure. sure. That's all right. You take a break while I can sip on my Rockstar energy drink. It's all right, people, don't worry, Nick is definitely coming back. Ah, hey. it's He's it's back. back.
1: Check those out. That's cool. Okay, so what you're holding right there is a baffled catch can. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's for oil, right? Yeah. Um, and so Mishimoto is a licensing partner of Rockstar Energy now. Yeah. And these are Rockstar Performance parts. That's just a shifter. Yeah. Oh. So it's a weighted shifter, right? Yep, yep, yep. So we have the ability to put the Rockstar name and create Rockstar Performance parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a few licenses out there where we've done this, like, cool thing, so to say, where we've taken the Rockstar name. And, like, you can tell both those parts are quality parts. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, no, I mean, you can feel it. Yeah, look. this one's a micron-filtered. It, like, does not want to come off. That's all right. Well, you don't want it to come off inside your thing, right? There it goes.
0: Works like a dream. Look at that. Even people can hear it coming apart. Look at that. Yeah, we yeah. The filtration on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then what's cool is, like, literally... On the bottom of this is a drain plug, mm-hmm. so you can literally just drain it out of your car if you need overflow and stuff. But that's obviously for that, you know, for those cars that get a little smoky or, yeah, I mean, pushing or pushing pr- push boost. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps get all that crap out of your oil or, you know, your um, crank system. And then, obviously, is a weighted shifter, so when you're shifting through gears, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff It feels um, more handy. Exactly, get, yeah, yeah. So we have that, and then, um, so one of the cool things we're coming out with this year, and I think I can talk about it right now not sorry um <laughs> too late is we're we're big about fabrication here mm-hmm. right like you can see a lot of the stuff we do most stuff is weld on yep um and we do a lot of fir- first round parts here mm-hmm. so we're always creating like the install videos or that kind of stuff so naturally when you're welding and doing that stuff you need a good partner right yep so Lincoln Electric is our partner um they've taken care of every piece of machine we need everything like that and something we're coming out with in 2020 isn't is one thing I don't think that, again, there's a gap is in the welding community, which is like the blue collars, right? There's nothing cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like you look at the apparel, you look at that kind of stuff and it's all kind of just like assembly line, Yeah. you know, like maybe a, just a black Dickie shirt or something like that. Yeah, it's, right.
0: It's very familiar. One might say
1: correct, but it's, but like the welding jackets and all that kind of stuff. Like it's not cool. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's, it's not, not trendy. Yeah. So we're coming out with actual rock star welding apparel. That'd and rock cool, welding helmets. Yeah. That'd be super cool. So fun. like the helmets, like the actual welding helmet, will be rock will be wrapped like a rock star like a helmet, like you would see on the X games from so yeah, yeah, motorcycle yeah. helmet. Yeah. They're gonna be wrapped like that. Which
0: is pretty cool.
1: Right? So you're gonna be like be able to be like no pun intended, but like be the rock star on your line. Yeah. Like with your cool gear. Yeah. You know, whether you're welding out in the field or, you know, welding on an assembly line. Um and we're gonna be coming out with a few of those this year. I'm trying to get them to do like some marketing pieces to go with it too, but um so you should be able to pick the like pick that kind of stuff up at your local welding shops and that kind of stuff from Lincoln Electric. Yeah. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah, uh, that is really cool. And then I think we're gonna host like a giveaway where it's like it's like well like a rock star. Because again, you know what I mean, like going back to the days of me working construction, like getting up at six AM and working till five PM, you mm-hmm. know, and and just being like, man, like I wish there was something fun to do in my industry. Um, we're gonna host a giveaway that anyone who's purchased a piece of that rock star gear. Automatically gets entered. Yep. Into a contest, and they fly into Rockstar Garage and spend a week here before SEMA and work on one of the SEMA rigs with us, and then get an all expa- all expenses paid trip to go to SEMA with us. Cool. And actually get to hang out in the booth and hang out in Lincoln's booth yeah. and kind of like get that celebrity feel for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that they got to like basically become the rock star of welding, right? Yeah. So in in to be able to offer that to like the guys on the pipelines out in the field to like to. Guys in Detroit, you know, it's it's awesome to, be able to do that. Even like the guys who are just doing iron, you know, like red iron on on a construction site. Mm-hmm. It's cool to be able to offer that to them. You know what I mean? Start to kind of, so to say, build that welding family with Rockstar and Lincoln. That is kind of like this is our family in, in these industries type thing.
0: Yeah. So speaking of that, who are some of the other partners that you work with, and that you want to talk about? Oh man, you got a minute? Uh, of course, we've always got all the time. I mean, you were nice <laughs> enough to format a memory card. I've got more than enough time.
1: Man, just so I don't. Um, miss out anyone check your list yeah like oh, this is gonna be a second that um, is quite
0: alright for all those listeners out there Nick is furiously typing things on his phone to unlock the encryption that he's got in there so he can <sighs> get to the secret list
1: okay well this the great thing is this list can literally be found on our website mm-hmm. Um, which again is like we update that thing every event we go to it has a lot of good media on there um, all right, so let's go ahead and just run through this. We got K and N, one of our oldest, longest partners, one of our biggest partners, mm-hmm. um, as well. Partnered up with Rockstar Energy, um, Kicker Audio, Lincoln Electric, Titan Fuel Tanks, Mickey Thompson, Makita, KMC, um, AEM. Obviously, is a part of Canon. Yeah. Canon, um, and then we also have Torch made in here, which is by Lincoln Electric. So, like, we have a big plasma table, okay. so we can cut all of our own parts and everything if, as we need them. Um, we got that Yukon gear and axle odyssey batteries bullet liner r1 concepts again american racing part of kmc um skosh prp mishimoto magnaflow Genrite, um power tank prp and i think i said prp twice and you did but there's
0: nothing wrong with that uh, you've got a lovely prp jacket on there i do
1: this this jacket is actually one of my favorite jackets. it's yeah. so lightweight um And then we also have a new company we just signed is Baja designs, which is a pretty radical company. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you're you're familiar with their product or not. They call themselves the scientists of off-road lighting. Oh, and they really are like, like the stuff that you see when it comes to their product, they probably have one of the nicest, it's, it's spendy. Mm -hmm. Um, but the quality in it is like second to none. Yeah. Um, Gridlock has you can't see any of these pictures. These are kind of older pictures, but Gridlock has what's called their LP6. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of like it's like a fog light almost in a way, and it's a dual stage light. So it has a low beam and then on high beam all six bulbs light up. But it's a 180 degree spectrum, and then it has this rad feature of like a parking light feature where it's like when you turn your accessory lighting or parking lights on, yeah, the light will glow yellow. That's cool. Before like all the white light turns on. Um, but that's just like one product they have and you know what I mean? But their stuff is just like, you turn it on it's, it's daytime. blinding, Yeah. yeah. And when you're out on the you know side of a cliff, with which is a thousand foot drop. Kind of like, handy. It's, it's handy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, people make jokes, it's like light bars before lockers, but in theory, if you're really going to actually will hard, like you want lockers and light bars, um, and, and it's kind of like a locker if you don't have a good quality light bar and it could fail easy yeah and you're out in the middle of the dark it's not ideal you don't at that moment in time you want that thing to work it's it's worth its you know weight in gold yeah so you know, so baja designs is on board right now which is pretty rad super cool um, trying to think of anything else you know we, we have a lot of secondary partners we work with that aren't actual contracted brands that do a lot with us and a lot of stuff with us which you know i mean shout out to all of them they're they're huge help um but yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, it's it's been a crazy ride, a crazy partnership. You know, all these brands rely on us for a lot. And they've kind of, which is in in a way kind of a blessing, you know, that they would say, hey, we're going to count on you for this, make sure it happens. Because a lot of these brands were here before me and they'll be here after me. Yeah. You know? So it's pretty cool.
0: And so where can we find you guys online? There's obviously the Rockstar Performance Garage. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. So let me throw all these things out there. Right. On. An actual website you have rockstarperformancegarage.com yep you can see any of the builds we've done today you can see any of the events we've done today you can see our current schedule on there events we're going to go to all the car all the companies we work with um, recaps for every event we've been to as well with a lot of great media on there um, and then going to our youtube you have um, which is which is rockstar garage mm-hmm. um, and so it's youtube.com forward slash rockstar garage and You've got, I think there's over 250 videos, something like that, on there that you can go on and watch 20 minute trail rides or like highlight reels or things like that. Um, and then on Instagram, our major accounts on Instagram are the Rockstar Garage on Instagram. Um, it, it's a pretty easy one to find. It has a lot of followers, a lot of content, a lot of cool stuff. We're we're always like posting random stuff on there. Mm-hmm. I'd say we're like a combination between. Like Hennessy Motorsports and Barstool. Okay, you know what I mean. Like, I like that. Like, like, like we're posting funny stuff that has nothing to do with us, mm-hmm. right? You kind of keep it interesting. But then we're posting like cool stuff that we're doing at the same time. Yeah. Um. So you have that, and then, um, you also have, um, Mr. Nick Ashby is my page, and then my Jeeps page is Gridlock G R D L O C. Um. So that takes care of Instagram, and then on Facebook. Again, it's just Rockstar Garage on Facebook, which is another good one. And I'm trying to think of anything else, we have a Twitter. We're not really on it. It's Rockstar underscore Garage. Um, I think there's anything I'm missing. I think that's it. You know, and, and when you go on to Rockstar Garage, you can find all of our ambassadors on there and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Which, you know, we have girls, we have guys. You know, um, we, we have a lot of different people. We have city people, and we have like country people. You know, we have car people, Jeep people, truck people. And it's funny because I have them on this huge group chat and it's like what one person thinks is funny some of the group doesn't think is funny. But we've got like a pretty open, you know, thing on there with like 20 of the most random people you'd ever find. We have like a girl who's a weightlifter yeah. up in New York with like that New York attitude. Mm-hmm. And then we've got like Mark who's just like that Southern country twang, you know, mm-hmm. down in Georgia, you know, so it's, it's rad to like see these different people become friends. Yeah. And, like, start molding each other, you know, like, to be friends. Yeah. And then you go out on the trails. And it's funny because, like, the guys will go out there and they're like, oh, we're the guys. Like, we're awesome, right? But then, like, the girls will go send it. Yeah. And, like, and then the thing that you have to worry about, and I always, I always tell people this, is when Dennis, who's our main videographer, or Casey, who's our lead photographer, when either one of them say, oh, you should do that, think about what you're doing. Because they're literally pointing a camera at you. And they're hoping you do something crazy. Or try to get you to do something crazy because that's just better content for them. Cool. So they don't care if something breaks. They don't. You know, what I mean, I do. Rex, who is my main like shop guy, he does because we're usually the ones doing the trail fixes. But you know, it's just it's awesome to see these different people that are scared of heights or you know have anxiety or things like that, and we're like, go get in a jeep and go on a three thousand foot cliff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait, what? And we're like, yeah, to be a rockstar garage ambassador, you have to do that, and you got to make it look cool because on ca- it's always harder to make it look cool on camera than it is yeah. in real life, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, we have a lot of great gear. We have a lot of great brands and a lot of great support and a lot of great people. So it's literally just a party all yeah. the time for us. I mean, it sounds like a busy party. Yes, one might like, say. like Don't get me wrong. It, it takes a it's lot all, of damn hard hard work. Yeah. But I would argue the person who's making fries at McDonald's, their nine to five is, is a lot of hard work, too. Mm-hmm. And they're working overtime and they're trying to do that stuff. So we don't take it for granted. We're very blessed at what we get to do. But I'll be damned if we're not going to party the whole time we're doing it. Yeah, of course. I mean, you've got to make it
0: fun, right? Right. And uh, so with that being the case, I think we better wrap it up. Because I know that you've got to start,
1: like, you're kicking me out here to go prep right? To Literally. A- like, I'm, I have to go, well, Mickey Thompson just dropped the truck off. There you go. My shop's gone. Yeah. So I've got to go throw my work clothes on. And get to and work. And i got to go swap out some, basically, some driveline parts and stuff so they can get that thing up to the Winter Nationals in Pomona. And then after that's done... I've got to go do a couple little operation things. See, no Hamilton pressure. Stuff, and then shoot out the King of the Hammers, and i got a couple TV shows we got to go drive gridlock on and do some other cool stuff. So with that being the case, Nick, I'll just end it there.
0: So, Nick, thank you so much.
1: Hey, I appreciate you making the drive down here and you know, and putting up with us for a little while. And-
0: no, no, no. I really appreciate it. And as always, all the listeners out there who's listening, we'd love to hear feedback from you, so you can always find us at NoBreaking on Instagram and Facebook at www.nobreaking.com. Until then, guys, well, uh, I guess we'll just see you next
3: time. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.